If you're looking for a trusted source of natural supplements, look no further than NutritionW.com. Since 1979, Nutrition World has been a staple in the Chattanooga community with dedicated research specialists that stay ahead of the trends to make sure you have the most reliable products available at the most competitive prices. All of their supplements are vetted for quality, effectivity, and potency and shipped using the utmost care with cold packs included in each and every order. You can shop online now at NutritionW.com and choose from thousands of your favorite supplements, sports nutrition, pet, and specialty food products today. Nutrition World, partners on your wellness journey. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Holistic Navigator Podcast, where we believe in the body's ability to heal itself. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Brian Strickland, the producer of the show, and here with me, as always, is your host, Ed Jones. Ed, how's your week been so far? So far, so good, my friend. Got up this morning as normal and did my super drink and hit the gym. So on today's episode, we're talking all about the thyroid. For those of you who don't know, the thyroid is a small gland located in your throat. It's one of those things that almost everyone has heard of, but there still seems to be a lot of confusion on the function of the thyroid, unless you're having difficulty with it, and then you're well aware of the problems that can occur. So let's go ahead and dive right into this conversation on the thyroid, and Ed, let's talk a little bit more about form and function. Can you give us a brief overview of what role the thyroid actually plays in our body? Yes, I will, Brian. And, uh, you know, I've been listening to health stories and questions for 40 years now. And I will say one of the most common, if we knock out uh, the questions about uh, losing weight and fat, the, probably the third or fourth on the list is thyroid from women, because women seem to have about 80% of all the diagnosable thyroid issues will be found in women. One of the lucky things men don't have to deal with. But there are 20 million people who suffer from low thyroid, and one in eight women in their lifetime will be diagnosed with thyroid dysfunction. The issue is that many, many millions are walking around with a subclinical level of thyroid function not diagnosed because we are uh, in a system that seems to not be uh, on their game, I guess I would say, to be a kind. But, you know, the primary function of a thyroid, and you are exactly right, it's in the throat. It's it's near the Adam's apple. Uh, so if you know where that's at, you can uh, almost uh, feel if it was swollen or something. But you know or have to know that the primary function of a thyroid is to regulate your metabolism. And it does that by controlling the rate at which the body converts oxygen and food to energy. Secondly, it keeps your body temperature correct. So those are the two main functions. And it is what I call the master metabolism controller. Metabolism not always meaning weight, uh, but it has to do with energy and stamina and your ability to maintain endurance. So when functioning properly, the thyroid is responsible for producing metabolism hormones and maintaining your internal temperature. But what about when it's not functioning properly? I know I've heard the terms hypothyroidism and hyperthyroidism thrown around. So could you give us a little more detail on what those actually mean? One of the most important discussions as far as thyroid function is the two words that are attached to any diagnosis. One is hypothyroidism. Hypo spelled H-Y-P-O. That is meaning low function. 
The opposite, of course, is hyper, H-Y-P-E-R. That means excessive levels of, of thyroid hormone. What happens if you have low levels? Well, there's a whole litany of possible conditions and symptoms, one of which, of course, is fatigue. Uh, because the thyroid's purpose, number one, is to create a basic metabolism stability with proper temperature, it would be like running your car in Alaska in frigid temperatures of minus 20 degrees. You know it's not going to start well nor run well. And when you have hypo, low thyroid, fatigue is probably one of those most prevalent symptoms. But beyond that, sensitivity to cold, constipation, weight gain, that's not always true. Just because you're thin does not mean you don't have hypothyroidism. Dry skin, and believe it or not, tangled hair. Hair that you used to be able to comb through, and now it just is in knots all the time. And then, of course, thinning hair or hair loss. It isn't the common cause of hair loss, but it can be a contributing factor. Uh, cramps, depression, dark circles under the eyes. And the thing that I look for very often when someone just starts asking me, is the last one-third of the eyebrows are thinning. That will mm. generally happen uh, because of many reasons based in the hypothyroid. Now, hyperthyroid, of course, like I said, H-Y-P-E-R, the E stands for excessive, uh, is a far more dangerous condition as far as acute uh, danger of dying. Hypo makes you feel like you want to die, but hyper can actually kill you because what's happened is the thyroid is so overly functioning that it runs your blood pressure up, mm -hmm. give you uh, actual eyes that are protruding. I think we've all seen people walking around with that. Uh, it also gives fatigue, very frequent bowel movements. Sometimes you have a visibly enlarged thyroid gland, which is a, a goiter. Hair loss, again, is funny. You know, many things in health... Uh, what's underactive and overactive can share the same symptoms. That's why you, it's, it's very foolish to try to self-diagnose just based on a symptom. You can have hand tremors. You can have itching overall. You can have nausea. But the number one thing I see is palpitations and rapid heartbeat. If all of a sudden your resting pulse went from your normal of 70 to 90, uh, it's a really decent sign that number one is you need to look into it. But number two is many times it's either too much medication or your own body is causing you to be hyper, which is too much. And then lastly is weight loss. So we now know hypo is low, hyper is high. But hypo is the one that 90% of all people are concerned with because it affects your quality of life. So how can you know for sure if you're dealing with an under or overactive thyroid gland? Obviously, some symptoms will present themselves, but like you said, they aren't necessarily a reliable method of testing. So what accurate tests are available? I guess, you know, the average person thinks, well, if I have low thyroid, I'm going to go to the doctor and I'll get a physical. And then all of a sudden, you know, they'll tell me that I have a low thyroid and they'll treat it. Uh, sorry, but that's not the general case today. And I don't want to get too complex into the biochemistry, but the basic way that you diagnose a low thyroid at the doctor's office is using blood testing. And I tell people this probably every day that the use of blood testing for thyroid 
low thyroid is only moderately accurate. It just is moderately accurate because what can happen is you can have numbers that are in the range. And one of those numbers is called TSH. That is the normal blood value that almost every single person looks at to diagnose hypothyroid. Well, TSA stands for thyroid stimulating hormone. And what's happening is the pituitary and hypothalamus wants to send a signal to your thyroid if it senses that it's low. And so when you have high numbers of TSH, and what we call that is an inverse relationship, when you have high numbers of TSH, it means that you have an indicator that your thyroid is low. So high TSH, low thyroid function. The problem is that the mainstream medical uh, parameters for this number is outdated. A TSH would have to be above 4.5 in the mainstream world for that doc to say, you know, I think we need to consider you might have a low thyroid. Well, in the world of what we call functional medicine and functional nutrition, we will deal with a TSH of anything over two would be considered a red flag to then look further into the uh, thyroid health. Well, what's happened, and I've seen it for four decades, is the women especially who have literally lost a decade or two of their life's quality because the doc was waiting for the two to go to 2.5, to 3, to 3.5, to 4, to 4.5. Many times it will can take 10 to 15 years for that to happen. Well, along the way, all of the symptoms or some of which uh, come to the surface for these people should not have because it is not that difficult to help the thyroid to be healthy again. So with that being said, Ed, are there are there any specific people that are more susceptible to thyroid issues? And what are some of the underlying causes? Well, that's a great question, Brian. And, you know, as far as people, of course, again, like I repeat, females are 80 to 90 percent more likely to have a problem than males. But also some studies have shown that three fourths of all bipolar people are very low in thyroid function. Now, it's one of those chicken and the egg things uh, because many people who are bipolar and also people depressed who seem to uh, be able to regulate their thyroid fare far better than those who don't. And the sad thing is, again, because people who are being treated by mainstream medicine, they're not thinking of functional medicine, so they don't even look into the thyroid function unless it's so acute and then they might do something. But that's usually, again, costing people a decade of life. Uh, as far as the reasons why, there are a whole list of reasons why the thyroid may slow down. This is what I advise people, and I have for many years. Thyroid relies on an, a certain molecule we've all heard of called iodine. Iodine was added to salt back in probably the 40s and 50s. And iodine is what makes the thyroid produce thyroxin. Thyroxin is the active compound that attributes itself to the body temperature, to all of the functions that create the metabolism that turns your food into energy and, and oxygen into what we need for fuel. So it's the gasoline that runs the thyroid. Well, there was many decades of this history of life where people were extremely deficient in iodine. 
And it became very obvious at that point because it was so horrible. So they, you know, the government made a pretty wise decision based on the knowledge at hand at the moment in the 40s to add iodine to salt. And it did eliminate a lot of these uh, gross uh, significant deficiencies of iodine, which did help. The issue is that we still are walking around with a great amount of iodine deficiencies in many, many cases. Iodine is um, one of the most probably uh, effective nutrients across the board to help maintain health. Everything from cyst in the body to energy levels to skin health to thinking ability. Uh, Actually, children who are somewhat uh, deficient in iodine will drop their IQ between 8 and 15 points if they're not supplemented somewhere along in their early life and or pregnancy. 15 points of IQ. I don't know about you, but I can't afford to lose (laughs) any points, much less 8 to 15. And so, you know, again, why is this? Well, we know we've lost our, our sometimes the connection with healthy food and healthy foods grown properly on the great soils, unlike they are now, would give us many of the nutrients we used to have. And we just don't do that. But really, the bigger issue is that and you try to imagine this. The thyroid gland absorbs iodine in order to make the compound called T4. T4 is what will eventually turn into the active thyroxine. The issue is that there are guys that compete with this ability of of iodine to do this. What are they? Fluoride, which is found, of course, in water and your toothpaste. Anytime you ingest fluoride, that molecule is going to rush into the receptor side of that thyroid and fill it. Well, guess what? As the iodine comes passing through the next few hours, it's knocking on the door and nobody's answering. So it just floats on past because it's already been filled with another molecule. Mm. Secondly, bromine. What is bromine? Bromine is a chemical that's found in many, many different uh, parts of our environment. But number one is in most breads. Uh, It has been found throughout my life, especially back in the Wonder Bread days and, you know, all the white stuff and things that we didn't even consider. They use bromine to produce that bread. So we've had fluoride and bromine as two competitors at least most of my life. Thirdly is we actually um, find bromine in drinks like Mountain Dew and Gatorade. They have bromine in them. All fire retardants have a type of, of bromine in it that again competes. So when you sleep on your mattress, uh, say thank you to the government because uh, we have to all breathe the fumes from fire retardant uh, chemicals. Now, again, life is made up of risk against benefit. There is no perfect solution. Do you want your mattress to flame up if you're smoking a cigarette and you drop it? No, you don't. So I'm not saying it's the perfect solution just to eliminate fire retardants. I'm just saying we need to be aware of that. But bromine is an endocrine disruptor, which means it's going to act like a almost hormone. So all of a sudden, we just simply can't absorb the iodine, even if we intake it. So that's an issue. So all of a sudden, your fuel for the T4, which has to be produced for your thyroid to function, is no longer available. We wanted to pause just for a quick moment and tell you about our sponsor this week. 
This episode is brought to you by Silver Biotics, creators of Silver Soul technology. Silver Biotics takes colloidal silver to a new level by providing superior products proven safe and effective through hundreds of reports and studies. It's the only silver technology proven safe through human ingestion studies, giving you peace of mind. Whether you're looking for wound care, immune support, or skin care, Silver Biotics' wide range of clinically studied products can help you stay healthy. Silver Biotics. Strong support. Strong body. Silver strong. So what options do people have if they're not able to produce their own? Well, you have a couple options. What The mainstream medical option, if you were diagnosed, is, of course, just to be given a synthetic thyroid. The name, of course, is Synthroid. Synthroid has been around for quite some time. The issue with Synthroid is if it works, it's not the most devastating drug. You can do it for your, probably the rest of your life without significant negative effects. Is it what we consider in functional medicine as a good approach? No. Why? Because Synthroid being synthetic will, number one, weaken your own thyroid's production. It will cripple any chance of that thyroid recuperating. It's kind of like if I or you took in insulin and you were not a diabetic and you did that for six months to a year, the feedback system would shut off your ability to make insulin. And then all of a sudden, uh, you're going to require insulin because you you tuck in it, tuck the insulin in for so long that you have no choice and you have the inability to make it. So when you do that with synthetic chemicals, it just is the price you pay. So what are the options? Well, medically, the option is you can supplement if you get a prescription from the right physician, armor, desiccated or naturoid. These are two chemicals, or actually not chemicals, they're natural prescriptions. Mm -hmm. And Armour was uh, first introduced in 1938. And it is from an animal, and it's simply the gland of a thyroid. And what you can do is, done properly with the right supervision, it's going to help support and at the same time replace what you are lacking. Is that my first recommendation? No, no, it's not, because I do have great faith in the recuperative ability of our own human system if we give it what it needs and remove what's harming it. How do we do that? Well, there are now the ability to purchase iodine in relatively very high doses. And why would you want to do that? Because again, we've explained the fact that iodine is the molecule that's going to turn into the thyroxine. And if you supplement high doses as Dr. Brownstein. And if you'll Google Dr. Brownstein and iodine thyroid, I've met him before. He's a real uh, innovator and genius in this conversation. You can read about the theory that if we can supplement with high doses for eh, maybe six months, maybe even a year, it's going to clean out the bromine and fluoride from those receptor sites, potentially. No guarantee of it. But if a person takes between 12.5 and 50 milligrams of good quality iodine per day, it may have the ability to clean those receptor sites out and then allow more functioning of that thyroid. So bullet point number one, if a person really knows that they have the low levels, is you might consider 
uh, becoming knowledgeable on this iodine issue. Now, the other parts of this puzzle is, what do we do about diet? Because is there foods that are causing some uh, reduced thyroid function? There actually is. And believe it or not, most of these are very healthy. There are certain foods that compete against the ability of thyroxin. And all of these I really like. Now, keep in mind, these would have to be done on very high levels. But there are people who juice these, and that's what I would consider high levels. So if you have the symptoms of low thyroid, keep in mind that bok choy, broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, kale, mustard greens, any soy, and turnips can compete against the production of thyroxin. Mm. Now, I'm not going to give up eating my cauliflower or my cabbage or my broccoli, but those people making huge amounts of kale, if you have symptoms, you might want to experiment and reconsider that. Now, back, and I don't mean to backtrack too much, again, we talked about the fact that if you go to mainstream, you get a blood test, you look for what's called the TSH. And in the mainstream world, if you're above 4.5, they're going to say you're low thyroid. That won't happen usually for a decade or two. So you want to be cognizant of the fact that if it's two and over, you want to talk to somebody about some options with this. However, the second test, which I value greatly, is the home temperature test. What you do is, and I've been talking about this for about 20 years if you combine the blood test and the temperature test, that's where you'll get the really solid information uh, about the truth, whether your thyroid is optimal or not. You're going to take a thermometer. Now, back in the old days, it was mercury. Now we don't have those around, so you'll get a good digital. Don't buy the cheapest one out there. At least get middle of the road. You're going to put it next to your bed. Three mornings in a row when you wake up, do not sit up because sitting up is going to activate the thyroid. So you're going to reach over with your arm. You're going to pick up your uh, thermometer and you're going to take your temperature and then you're going to write it down. 97.8 is the marker. If you are considerably under 97.8, your thyroid's not working. It doesn't matter what anybody says about your blood work. It would be like somebody saying, I pumped all the high octane fuel in your car, so you should be able to go. And you say it won't start. It doesn't matter about the fuel. So if you have low temperatures of 97, 96.5, and everybody else says it looks like you're okay, well, you need to reconsider that because it's not doing its job. And when you have a low temperature, it is um, not conducive to you feeling well, if nothing else. And it's going to make you sensitive to cold. I have been a person who's had low temperatures most of my life, and I've, uh, I've raised it to the highest level I can through the use of iodine and a few other things. So if you have a low temperature, 97.8 and below, and also one other point of this, if you are a menstruating woman, you, the best accurate numbers are found on day three, four, and five of your period. It isn't absolutely necessary to do that. But I like it best if you can do it on day three, four, and five. So you, let's just say you've done the blood work. You've gone to the right person. You've done your temperature. You have some of these symptoms. What do I do? Because it's obvious that I have some subclinical low thyroid function. Again, 
you have as a resort, always know that armor desiccated is an option that will work. However, I like to try to rejuvenate the gland first, like I said with iodine. So consider taking somewhere between 3 and 25 milligrams per day of iodine to clear and clean the thyroid out. If you feel comfortable with that, there is some controversy surrounding it. Uh, I'm pretty comfortable with 3 to 12 milligrams. I'm not so comfortable unless you're super, super knowledgeable and being supervised above that level. And the reason is about one out of every 200 people in my estimation can actually turn from a hypo, which we remember as being low, to a hyper, which is, of course, excessive levels. And we don't want that to happen. If you are self-monitoring, do the resting pulse rate and it will be very, very clear because if you go excessive, you're going to start sweating, anxiety, you won't sleep and you'll feel heart palpitations. Now, the other big part to this conversation that has to be embraced without being too complex here. Again, we've I've spoke about the T4 molecule. That is what your body will make from the iodine, but that's not the end of this story. The body has to convert T4 to the active compound T3. T3 is the thing that the cell will pick up that will make it work as a regulator of your thyroid and your temperature and your health. T4 really can't do it. So what is the reason? Well, there are converting factors that make the T4 convert to T3. What are they? You know what? If you're low in selenium, zinc, and tyrosine, those three nutrients is what makes the T4 convert to T3. Now, many people are simply deficient. And, you know, if you're not doing a overall supplement protocol, or if you, even if you are, look and see if you have 100 to 200 milligrams of selenium. Make sure that you're not iron deficient because anemia can cause that also. And make sure you have between 10 and 30 milligrams of zinc. And again, the downside to zinc, if you do too much, it's going to suppress the thyroid. So it's all about the balance that we speak of often as far as health and nutrition. And again, of course, the iodine. And then lastly, tyrosine, which is not going to be found in your normal supplement protocol, would have to be either purchased separately or bought into a formula, which there are many good companies that produce formulas that have all of these. And you just simply take two pills a day. So as you do these steps, you can monitor your temperature. <coughs> if you do the converting factors I just spoke of, do it for a month. See if your temperature goes up at all. It may be all that you will need. Then you could do the, the iodine in high doses. Keep monitoring the temperature. If that's working, you stick with it. If it isn't, then in three months, you go visit a functional medicine professional and talk to them about doing armor desiccated and then know that you will raise your temperature because the body almost does not have any options in, in that because it's going to give the body exactly what the thyroid would have made in its perfect state. What about any lifestyle changes? I mean, beyond... Supplementing or, or supplementing with certain nutrients, are there any simple solutions like that people should adhere to? Well, I, the word simple is what com, uh, is, makes it more difficult because <laughs> it's not simple. Uh, you know, I've spoke on here before about 
leaky gut and glyphosate. And a lot of that leads, leads itself back to gluten because gluten can be a true competitor of thyroid health. Mm. And, you know, we all kind of sometimes think, well, the Bible has spoke a lot about grains and breads. That was a different type of molecule back then. We did not poison it with the use of the, 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 you know, the uh, changing of the DNA and the glyphosates and the over farming and the pesticides. Now, I'm a person who has gone without gluten for a long time, but I actually eat some now because I use a product uh, that protects me from that. And you can listen on one of my other podcasts on glyphosate to learn what that product is. I drink it before every meal and it blocks the effects of gluten and glyphosate. It doesn't block it for celiac people, but it mm. blocks the devastation to my health and many people's uh, when they are going to ingest it. I actually do it before every meal because I truly believe leaky gut is at the root of so many of our issues. And yeah. I'm not going to explain that now, but you certainly can go back to past shows and listen to that. I've, I've even had friends that have traveled overseas that were either gluten intolerant or had a, you know, an adverse reaction to it. <laughs> And they can go to places like Italy and, and all over Europe and they ate all the pasta and the bread that they wanted and had zero reaction to it. Um, and that just gives you a, a small idea of just, you know, how contaminated our products really are or can be. I love that story because uh, we seem to think we own all the information and knowledge in this country of USA and it almost seems to be the opposite sometimes because we've lost our connection to common sense and wisdom as far as foods and health. Now, one point, bullet point, I really, really want to make that very few people are speaking of is the issue of biotin. Many of us have heard of the vitamin biotin because a lot of women take it for hair growth. If you go to a dermatologist and you say, I'm losing my hair, it's thinning, what vitamins should I take? Nine out of 10 of them will say, I, I want you to go get some biotin, usually 5,000 micrograms to 10,000. It's all good, except one thing. If you're taking biotin in two weeks prior to getting a blood test for your thyroid, you are going to have inaccurate readings. They're going to be too high or they're going to be too low. There is no single way to know your real truth with blood testing if you are doing biotin at anything above a multivitamin level. If you're doing a good multivitamin, you should be fine. But those extra pills of biotin, you have to be off of for two weeks. You could ask 100 docs right now, and maybe three out of 100 would even know this. So mm. keep that in mind. Two weeks off before you get the blood test. And secondly, TSH, which again is the gold standard, can fluctuate. You could get three TSHs in three days and you're going to have some fluctuation. So don't let someone super medicate you simply because of one reading. If someone wants to do that, I encourage you to get at least two or three on separate days and perhaps separate times of day to, and, and to ensure that you're getting accurate, accurate information. And beyond the selenium, zinc, iodine, um, all the ones that you have mentioned, I know that there are formulas out there that can help improve thyroid function as well that may contain um, some different herbs and nutrients. Um, are there any 
specific ingredients that people should be looking for or any specific that they should be staying away from? Absolutely, Brian. And the one list of of vital ingredients is, of course, having at least a small amount of iodine in a formula, selenium of at least 100 micrograms, zinc of 10 to 30, and then tyrosine. Now, that's the basic. And there's nothing wrong with doing that because that's going to help you convert T4 to T3 and maybe make a little more thyroxine. Mm -hmm. However, I have seen and the studies are starting to grow on the use of actually um, the turmeric is helping. And the reason it helps Mm -hmm. is because it's reducing the chemical damage within the thyroid. So much of what happens as we age is really a accumulation of damage. And, you know, when you start to have mitochondrial dysfunction or you have poisons or you have pesticides, you know, and you're young, there's no, you have no feelings or effects of it until kind of, I use the term, the cup runs over. Then you'll start having the symptoms. And that, of course, is about 40 to 50 years old in most cases. So if we can start this early, the protective effect, like using turmeric and, of course, eating the cleanest foods we can, uh, you're going to hopefully buy yourself some decades of quality life. Now, ashwagandha is one of my absolute Mm -hmm. go-tos for so many people. Why is that? Because it helps you to be able, better able to handle stress. It's called an adaptogen. Adaptogen is going to strengthen your ability to stay robust during stressful periods. And they also did a study on rodents that it also increases a T4 to T3 conversion somewhat, which has just been recently found out. Mm. But the other thing about ashwagandha is we know that one of the biggest demons to your thyroid is cortisol. Cortisol is secreted by the adrenal glands, and it is made because of stress. It is the fight and flight type of hormone. And, you know, back in the days of nature and jungle and much quieter period of time, we might have had something to run from. I don't know, even if it was every other day, I doubt it was that often. But today we're doing it with every, you know, many text messages and phones and works and all the things and cars. So it's just constant and it wears the gland out. But it's making all this cortisol, which then weakens the thyroid gland. Mm. But ashwagandha has the ability to help negate some of that. And I tell people this often, if you take an herb or any nutrient protocol and you truly start feeling better, which you should if you do it right, don't let that be an excuse to go into Superman or Superwoman mode again. You're just digging deeper holes. So you start feeling better, don't get the to-do list out and just keep adding to it. Mm. Recover your vitality. That's what's going to carry you through till you're, Older like me, 62. Now, I always take one milligram of iodine every day. One milligram. Mm. That's not that high dose, but I also don't really have any significant issues. My blood work is fine. My temperature's always been somewhat low, but I've got it where, you know, everything's functioning correctly. I have a a great head of hair. I don't have the thinning eyebrows. I don't have the constipation. I don't have all the symptoms that go with it. If I did, I would do other things, but I don't. So I'm a fan of every single person using one milligram to two milligrams a day of iodine. Is iodine that you would find like in another formula that you might be taking, or is that something that's typically separate? You know, 
everyone who's taking a lot of supplements could look on their label and should because you probably are getting potentially a half a milligram, which is 500 micrograms. Keep in mind, 1,000 micrograms is one milligram. So if you look on your multivitamin and it says 400 or 500 micrograms, then you know you're doing a half a milligram. You might want to do a little more. However, we do know you are getting some from food. My daughter is pregnant right now with her first child. I asked her at lunch today, I said, Katie, how much iodine are you getting? She said, I'm getting 400 micrograms in supplemental form. However, I've been at their house. I know how they cook. They do extremely well with getting the very best quality organic foods, and they believe in using Celtic and Himalayan salts. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad I actually mentioned that because I want to say don't fall for the myth that Morton's iodized salt will supply your needs. First off, the salt itself is so highly processed that it is equal almost to white sugar to me. So don't rely on that for your source. Do it from whole foods like the kind of real salts, Celtic salts and Himalayan that I'm speaking about. Or you can actually get coconut water, which has a decent amount of sodium in it. Mm. So rely on nature, not some chemical process from a factory. All right, everyone. That's a wrap for this episode. We hope you have learned some helpful things. But as always, if you have questions, please shoot us an email. And thank you for listening. And remember, as Hippocrates said, if a doctor cannot do good, he must be kept from doing harm. Have a great and healthy week, my friends. Thanks for listening to the Holistic Navigator podcast. For more information, previous episodes, and other resources, visit www.theholisticnavigator.com.